you asked about like Irish National Theatre, is that what you asked? Yeah. yeah. Irish Theatre, where did it come from? What is it doing and where is it going? He was pacing backstage, waiting for the riots to happen. From the earliest days of independence to more recent questions about representation, we ask what is theatre's place in Ireland and what is Ireland's place in theatre? Not needing like a theatre audience necessarily, but like an event audience. Through interviews and conversations with experts and enthusiasts, we explore the history, controversies and future of theatre in a country so well known for it. It's very hard to kind of totally unpick it all when you're part of it. Because theatre should be for everyone. I'm Sarah O'Sullivan and this is Fail Better. Now we've examined the history of Ireland's theatre. We've examined controversies of the present. It's time to think about the future. This episode will be a little different as it'll be less of me and more of what the experts think. With all of the history and reputation that is behind theatre in this country, a specific audience may have begun to emerge. There's a trend some have noticed that is of concern, especially in the central question of the audience. Here's Aaron Monaghan, actor and director. Like I'm an artist and I would go and see as much stuff as I can. But the people I see in the audience are people I know. And there's not a lot of strangers there. Now, look, sorry, I'm speaking in very general terms. And I'm sure people can argue against this. But I, I kind of feel like theatre in the last while is becoming a lot more insular. We're making work for ourselves. And we're not, I think we're looking inwards a lot of the time. And we're not looking out to kind of reach out to audiences. This insularity, while a generalisation, as Aaron said, is not a unique sentiment. It was this insularity that bred the culture we explored in Waking the Feminists. There may be a resistance to change in some sectors, but certain things have changed. Here's Colin Murphy, the playwright. But I do feel that it's less dynamic than when I was coming out of college in the mid to late 90s or when, you know, um, I feel there's... I, I, there's certainly, I think there's certainly less venues in Dublin. I, I suspect that audiences audiences are smaller. Um, there is more money, you know. That's a that's a huge positive. Um, the thing that books this trend is the is the board gosh theatre. I don't think they get enough credit for, you know, extraordinary numbers going to see often really good theatre there. But I think there's a pity. I think there's a missed opportunity there on both sides for, for greater integration of the Borgosh theatre within the theatre ecosystem. And I'd love to see more of my colleagues in, I suppose, the subsidised theatre sector going to the, see what the Borgosh is putting on. I'd like to see more of their audience coming 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 to our stuff. I think that's a, that's a missed opportunity. And I think, I think there's something there in ter- for the future in terms of policy that somebody could advance that. And again, these are opinions but younger artists have felt that gap in small venues. One example of a lost venue is Dublin's Tivoli Theatre. The venue, having been a Liberty's landmark for nearly 90 years, was closed in 2019 and has since been replaced with a hotel. This is just one example of a larger problem seen in Dublin's cultural sector in recent years. And it's hard not to compare Ireland's cultural spaces with those abroad. Ireland's theatre is unlike the UK model, which makes it difficult to avoid comparison, as director Julia Appleby says. 
But I always do this, like I always kind of think of comparisons. So like I do think of like the National Theatre of England, National Theatre of Scotland, and I I do kind of, I would see them all in my head and like kind of compare and contrast, I suppose. And it could be a grass is greener situation. But one thing that has come up in the UK theatre models is the level of reach they have. Like Julia Setz. I think we need to think about how we're reaching people outside of Dublin. Like we've got a great regional theatres that are brilliant, but you just wonder how much, like, I, like how much are we reaching people in like Leitrim and Waterford and Kerry? The way the National in England, their NT Live, I think is brilliant. Like I love going to see, I think they, they do it in the pavilion. They do it um, in so many places where you get to see amazing work, like by like international, like, Eva van Hove, the director, is like just such an inspiration of mine. I've never seen his work live. I've only ever seen it like on the screen. And I think that's something we should look into. And everyone deserves to see good work, regardless of where they live. Irish theatres embraced streaming during the pandemic, but it has dwindled since. It may be time to revisit that model. And for getting people interested in theatre in the first place, Ulton Pringle presented an example. But I think, actually, there's a really interesting process that the Royal Court does in London, I've been thinking a lot about recently, that they sent out writers and embedded them in different communities around London. And they sat in the community, they ran groups, they did writing classes with all the different people in the community, but they wrote soap operas about the community that they were in. And they came back and did like runs of these soap opera shows, which would be like four nights of four episodes of a soap opera based on like, I can't really remember the name of the place in London because I've only been there once, but like they were based on places. So if we were doing it in Dublin, you'd probably have like a, you might have a Ballsbridge series or a Ballymun series. And they brought the, they went out, rooted them in. And sometimes the community came in and performed them as well alongside professional actors. It's like, that's how you build an audience, isn't it? That's how you build new people coming to the theatre. Because if you put somebody on the Abbey stage and all their family come to see it and they actually love it, they might go, I might come back here. I might come again and then you then you might get them the next time if you make your tickets cheap enough. Um, I keep thinking like, why aren't we doing that here? Why aren't we going out into communities in this city and even expand even more across the country and building shows for them and getting them in, getting them coming, trying to then capture even like 10% of the people that come to try and be like, come back to the theatre and we will work with you to build a new audience again because that's what we need to do. Peckham, the soap opera. That was the title of the 2017 iteration of the project. And it's a great idea. It sounds fun and like a really good way to get involved and feel invested in the arts. As mentioned before, it's a subsidised industry and as many people as possible should be given the chance to participate. But of course, that's easier said than done. I asked those interviewed, what would they do if they could rewrite the notion of national theatre? How would it look if they were given complete control and a limitless budget? This is Lisa Nally with Ali Whelan chiming in at the end. I think as well, though, like if you had like it run like a festival, like if you had a, a, a national theatre director who's more like a festival director than a building person, there would be more of an impetus to serve the people who they're trying to reach in terms of audience than to try and serve the purpose of the building. Because attaching a build, building onto any person's job makes it really difficult. Because there's so many limitations that you don't realize when you're like trying to work within the context of one building or one space. But if you're working in like a festival context, you're not trying to say that we need this theater to sell out in order for them to break even. You're thinking, 
that will go, go good in that space and it'll work and they'll get on well. So off with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is Which, still that added worry because like it does still have to sell. And now here's Ali with Lisa chiming in. You're always going to have the issue of it, it is only ever going to be in like Cork, Dublin, Galway, Belfast, if it's going to be somewhere big. Or like, even if it goes slightly smaller, it's going to be like, I don't know, Hawkswell, Sligo, Riverbank, Newbridge. Like, they're still quite urban places if if we're going to make the argument that like it should be, you know, I don't know, not two pints traveling to like Castle Bar. Um, Imagine paying in to watch two owl lads drink. You can do that for free in any country pub. Two Pints is a show that toured around Irish pubs in 2017. It consisted of two men drinking pints at the bar and talking to each other. A small show on a big tour. A national outreach by the National Theatre. Just some context. But what if we were confined to one single space? How would we make the most of that? Here's Alton Pringle. But I actually was thinking about this, or if I had a limited amount of money, what I would do. And what I would do is a festival of new work, but a festival of new work that is like somebody's first or second play and take over a complex, somewhere like the complex or take over the Abbey and turn every nook and cranny of it into like an immersive little theatre space and like get writers in and do like a two, three week symposium and give people that opportunity to be like, dare us, wow us, show us what you can do in this kind of, intriguing little space that maybe has like an ice cream truck outside so you can get an ice cream and come in and watch your play or you've got like like um, a clown act in the foyer doing clown during the day like create a whole festival of just like theatrical magic but be like come and show us what you can do and actually give opportunity and voice to those people who need it and here's Julia Appleby and I think that's what you'd want from our national theatre like you'd almost want it to take over the whole block and that there's like restaurants and cafes and it just I think that's something that kind of is missing like this kind of buzz of like that's like that's so American like the theatre quarter but you know what I mean you want that kind of like energy around the place that like that's where you go to like see creativity and see Irish creativity and like like I suppose like Temple Bar was always that like back in the day but like why can't it be around where like the Abbey is now But all of these ideas cost money and lots of it. But maybe revamping the theatre scene doesn't mean we need to do more. It could mean we should do less. Colin Murphy again. I I think theatre does need to think about how it gets away from or out of a kind of formality that people who don't go to the theatre can find oppressive. You know, now, like, a really good theatre is still the best place to see a lot of or most plays. But you just have to look at what sort of how Shakespeare wrote his plays, where he wrote them for, to think, you know, a lot lot of theatre is more robust, actually, and and, and can be staged to an audience that that has more freedom to come and go, that is less trapped, but we, you know, we, we put on a little play, Miasma, in, in Richmond Barracks in, in Jacor, and we brought, you know, schools to it, and anybody who came to it had to make a bit of a trek, um, uh, unless they were, like, in Jacor locals, and we brought some community groups to it who it wouldn't have had much experience of going to the theatre, 
um, and it was a play about a pandemic, uh, and we had talks. You know, we we had kind of scientists there to talk about it afterwards, and I really enjoyed like we, that kind of engagement. You know, and 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 kind of surprising people a little, and being outside of the formality of the theatre, um, and giving people an opportunity to talk back to the play afterwards. So there are a lot of ideas, but no definite answers. Like any art form, theatre is experimental and temperamental, and it should be given the chance to grow. What seems to be missing is large-scale trial and error. The National Theatre Experiment was a trial. Waking the Nation was an error, and both brought about positive change for the industry. Experimentation may not always seem practical, but it is vital to the longevity of the industry. As Samuel Beckett said, ever tried, ever failed. No matter. Try again. Fail again. Fail better. Fail Better is written, presented and edited by Sarah O'Sullivan. The theme music is by Theo Foley. Interviews included in this episode are from Aaron Monaghan, Colin Murphy, Julia Appleby, Alton Pringle, Lisa Nally, and Ali Whelan. Special thanks to DCU, The Pavilion Theatre, Leslie and Ambrose O'Sullivan, Maya Purdue, and Kevin O'Leary.